Hello and welcome to the Super Corona Bros podcast. <laughs> Woo! With the two Whoa, most that was loud. positive podcast hosts. <laughs> welcome to the Pause Pod with your hosts with the most coronavirus. That is, yeah, me and Mark about uh, actually got coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> At the end of the last episode, um, or at some point in the last episode, we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to be on it for drinks tomorrow night. We like we mentioned that. And uh, yeah, the whole group ended up getting coronavirus <laughs> from a, a certain establishment. Don't get sued, but from a certain establishment in Temple Bar. <laughs> yeah, rounds with mad mobs. Just saying. Just saying. Stay away, people. Stay away. But uh, yeah, I was, I was editing the episode there today. I was just listening to us like we sounded so carefree, talking about mm. pints. Sounded so healthy. Our Stupid lungs were cuts. full of oxygen. <laughs> yeah. I, little did we know, as fate would have it, the following day we would be inflicted with this plague. Yeah. And we've been we've been fine. We've yeah, been fine. Been fine. Yeah, I've been been grand. But uh yeah, and then you know, there's mass amounts of cases as well, so it's, it wouldn't even matter, like we wouldn't be recording in person anyway, so <laughs> but oh, yeah. And then to add on top of this, <laughs> so we're recording on a Sunday because on Wednesday, as I was going out before I went out to get my uh, my Corona test, I was looking to start editing uh, episode nineteen, and I didn't have it in the fo- in the folder, and I realized that I had been uh, deleting files and I must have deleted it and I was freaking out. I couldn't believe that I did it. So then we recorded. A really shitty episode. The two of us, like Mark, Maybe particularly. the worst episode. Oh, thank you. It was easily the worst episode. <laughs> but the two of us was absolutely fucking bollocks. And then having to talk about things we've already talked about. It was a bad episode. Uh, and then exporting my audio. And I noticed that there was episode 19. Not right there. It was in a different location. Under the same folder. There's two folders on my fucking computer <laughs> now. Called Paropod. Um... Even the computer got coronavirus. Even the computer got the coronavirus. <laughs> um, and then uh, I was like, oh, fine, you know, we'll just edit it and change up what we've recorded. You know, we can reuse it. And uh, my microphone wasn't plugged in the entire time, so all my audio was completely <laughs> unusable. <laughs> and here we are now, re-recording a re-recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like the third go with this episode, which is so demoralizing, especially when, you know, you're dying. Whenever, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're dying. <laughs> yeah, this could be our last transmission. But, uh, yeah, Jesus. Talk about a punch in the gut. Oh, fuck me. It was bleak. Well, you it know, was pretty funny, though. It was fucking hilarious. And, like, yeah. <laughs> it uh, it was the laugh that we needed. So, episode 19 turned out all right. <laughs> episode <Yeah>. 20, <laughs> we'll see how we go. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a work in progress. Uh, yeah, and then episode 21, we're going to be talking about... Your recommendation, Texas Chainsaw. That's it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait. That's a big one. Haven't seen it. I haven't watched it yet, but, you know, there's a few days to watch it. Ah, we've loads of time. Have you been anyway since we talked last... This has been ages now, actually, since, like, between when we recorded episode 19 and then the official release... The the official recording of episode 20. Yeah. Yeah, how long is that? That's what, like... Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, full two weeks, actually, yeah. Since that fateful night. Lots of lots <laughs> has happened since. Yeah. 
little did we know. But uh, oh, I've been fine, you know. Basically, just in my room for the past two weeks straight. So, yeah. you know, I think we're, we're all, I'm all done tomorrow though. So, yeah, I'll be out out and about, uh, doing doing bits. I I haven't watched that much either, really. You know, um, just been playing chess. <laughs> yeah, just been playing chess and watching Sopranos, which is like I don't know. It does the job. It keeps it you occupied, you know. Sopranos, great. <sighs> Finished season three. It's First time I've been into fantastic. a TV show for so long. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing show. Who's your favorite character? Definitely Chris. Chris yeah. Maltesanti. What a king. Christopher. <laughs> Christopher. Tony's also a king, you know. Yeah, but Tony's Tony. Like, you know, you're boring if you say Tony Soprano's your yeah, favorite character. I mean, yeah, of <laughs> the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, definitely Chris. But they're great, great events, great at making you want something to happen and then, like, just pulling the rug out from underneath you and mm. something else happens. Or, like, you don't get the catharsis that you want. You know, it's great. Great great TV show. It's like... It's the, the uh, Sopranos. <laughs> it's the Greek theater of our age or whatever, you know, Shakespeare or whatever. <laughs> it's Shakespeare. It's Greek. It's some fucking bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. The Italians, something to do with the Italians. Yeah, the... um. Did you see that it's got, like... It got, like... It's kind of got, like, a second wind, the Sopranos, because of lockdown, because... It was like it had like its first like burst of energy, or whatever, when it first came out. Um, but now like everyone is watching The Sopranos again because of lockdown. Yeah, and now TV. I never had access to yeah, it. Yeah, now TV is very good. It's pretty good, but you don't get. You have to pay for anything extra. You know, you get your basic yeah. package, and then everything else is like eighty nine, ninety nine per week if you want to watch one game of football or something like that. The, the TV is the only thing worth it on now TV. Like, the television shows. Because you have, like, all the box sets, all the, like, HBO shit. Which is, like, mm. more or less is the only reason why anyone really has now TV, I guess. Although it does mm. have, like, loads of good sitcoms. Like, it's got Parks and Rec and uh, <coughs> Will and Grace and stuff like that. But, um... The film side of it is fucking shit. Like, they got fucking... They just have everything that you've already seen before. It's, like, a worse version of Netflix. Yeah. We have and to it's pay 15 for quid well, extra. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, fifteen thing, quid yeah. a week. It's fifteen quid a month for the TV, and then if you want to get the the films, it's another fifteen quid a month. So it's thirty quid a month for films and TV. Yeah, that's before you get to the sport. Load of bollocks. Yeah, and I, I remember Luke saying to us that he was paying for the sport, and he watched like two games or something like that. It was complete. It is a complete fucking rip off. Yeah, oh, that was the start of lockdown. People were desperate just to watch football. Desperate for content. You know? Yeah, <laughs> watching fucking Danish second division teams play. And then everyone realized, oh, no, this isn't actually entertaining. There's a reason we didn't watch this in the first place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've just been doing that. What have you been up to yourself? How, how's your, uh, I've been your turn cr- been? I've been cracking on with movies, man. I've watched so many films. Um, where to start? I guess I'll start with uh, Christmas at the Cranks, just to get this over with. Uh, to pull it back, pull us back in time to Christmas. Um, watched Christmas at the Cranks before Christmas, obviously. Um... People fucking hate this movie, and I don't understand why. I just wanted to <laughs> mention yeah, that. Like, it's perplexing. It's just a comfy Christmas film. There is a certain level of it that I understand why people hate it. Because like, when I started watching it, I was like, I hate every single fucking person in this film. Like, there's no one. But like, I kind of feel like that's the point. There's no one likable in the film. Tim mm. Allen is a fucking asshole in it. <laughs> yeah, he's evil in this film, you know? But like, he's so... Or that the people around him are so terrible to him and his family mm. that you st- you're still on his side, you know. Like he's like he kicks cats and like he, he tackles children to the ground on their fr- their front lawn or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Dewey. Yeah, he's like a 
Dewey's in this, which is great. Great. Dewey's to see the only likable character. <laughs> but Tim Allen's just like a horrible person, and he's like he's he's a terrible husband, and he's a terrible father. It's terrible neighbor. Worst neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like he just pulls it out of the bag anyway, you know. It's just Tim Allen doing Tim Allen things. That's a great little Christmas film for the whole family, you know. But even like uh like the daughter, um Beth, is that her name or some shit? I can't remember her name. But anyway, when like when she because you're like, oh, everyone like the entire way to the film, they're always like, Oh, everyone fucking loves Beth. Beth is the best. And then Beth comes into the film and she's a fucking asshole as well like she's just like hey what's up i've been gone for two months here's my fi- here's my fiance that mm. you don't know about and guess what he's coming in for home for christmas whether you like it or not and it's like you're a fucking bitch you're a fucking asshole as well <laughs> yeah she just she just ruins her parents christmas getaway mm. like to impress this fiance that she'd only just met onto her like her suffering parents that just want to have some time alone together or whatever you know, I was supposed to think she's like this sweet little angel or whatever, or everyone loves her. It's a load of rubbish. Tim Allen's completely in the right. He just, like, you almost understand his bitterness and his absolute, like, complete corruption as a as a person and as a member of the community because yeah. everyone around him just treats him like shit. You know, I like, I had, I'd his become, wife, really. I'd become a fucking asshole if I lived in that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, there, uh, there's so many weird parts in it, though, you know. There's loads, of, there's like bits of it that, like, genuinely like remind me of like a horror film um yeah. like the whole town like cult aspect of it i found to be quite disturbing and horrifying like there's something like it is that like that thing about like conformity which people have a problem with the film like it's the film is about conformity but it's like it's so like blatant in the film where i feel like it's almost like a critique of that like it's the it's the suburban life like everything everyone has to be the same you have to have a sense of community uh within like you know modern america or whatever mm. but like it's so blatant in the film that i feel like it's almost a critique of that nearly <laughs> yeah yeah and the fact I... as well that like no everyone is a fucking asshole in the film it's almost like you're meant to hate them which like goes against like oh yeah well we're all in this together, even though we're all fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely go along with that reading. It's like an anti-suburbia kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like uh, like Tim Allen's just trying to escape. He just he just wants one Christmas away to spend with his wife after working hard all this time. And he's just dragged back in by the gravitational pull of like these pig-headed suburbanites who like just can't imagine anything to be out of place at any any given point. Yeah. You know, especially in Christmas, it's all about tradition and, like, you know, uh, rituals and stuff like that. But there's just... There is weird... There's weird parts, like, when he goes around, like, handing out, like, his notice to That's the whole office. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking about that, because I was just like... Oh, wait, the first thing that he does is just prints <laughs> out, and he's like, listen, I am not doing Christmas. Like, he goes, like... Mm. Imagine actually someone actually did that in office. I'd be like, so you're an absolute fucking psychopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you're about to shoot up the fucking building. <laughs> yeah, you need help. You need to get away. <laughs> um, yeah, you really, like, go, man. You really need to go. <laughs> Please go, by any means. <laughs> um, he goes so far with, like, the not doing Christmas thing so quickly and so abruptly that, like, you almost understand as well why people are like, fuck this dude. He, we're going to make him do Christmas now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely kind of, like... It's like dialectics or something. Is yeah, like, there's something know. going on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's a uh, the fact that he has to go to all these extreme measures sort of sort of just uh, like demonstrates to the the dystopian kind of mm. like hell world that Tim Allen's character lives in. 
that he he feels the need to go around to every single person and hand out a formal notice of the fact that he's going to be away for Christmas. Yeah, he just walks around and basically tells them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah, even even the way he's uh, his wife refuses to go on the getaway as well at first mm. because uh, Tim Allen isn't going to give six hundred dollars to the church like the yearly donation. Like he has to give a tithe not only to his colleagues and to his employer and to like you know the sort of cult of suburbia itself. He has to give you know, feudal tithes to the actual church itself. Yeah. Like the old, the old tie to God and stuff like that. You gotta give money to the police force as well and stuff like that. Uh Yeah, It's all in there. Mm. It's all in there. There definitely, there definitely is loads of stuff like that in the film. Um, but people fucking hate it for that reason, but I don't understand why. I I think it's, even, even, even if it didn't have all this type of shit in it and it was like, if it didn't even have any of that stuff, I still don't understand why anyone would hate the movie. Like, it's a fucking Christmas movie. Like, <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's grand. It's like Deck the Halls. Yeah, Basically it is. And it's like fucking Jingle All the Way and whatever the fuck. Any, any of those fucking kind of shitty Christmas movies. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, I liked Christmas with the Cranks. I was surprised. I was expecting it to be way worse than what it actually turned out to be. Uh, a lot, a lot like uh, Spring Breakers. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus! I forgot we we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, Spring, spring Breakers. breakers. Oh, yeah. that, uh last week. Um, man, it's a fucking great film. It's so good. Again, a film that like, I think a lot of people uh, hated when it first came out, um, because the trailer to Spring Breakers is very different to like. A Harmony Corinne film, which this is, but it's it still kind of is what the trailer implied it to be. I guess I don't know. Spring Breakers is such a weird film. Yeah, it is. It's just a <clears throat> Corinne film, you know. It's all over the place. Like uh, I know his uh, his like philosophical thesis, um, back when he made Gummo. Anyway, when he's first the rising star of a. Uh, of like that sort of scene back in the nineties, he says something about how uh, film film narrative hasn't moved forward in something like eighty years, or from that point on. So like back in D.W. Griffiths, like the, the three act structure, like yeah, just sort of you know that's the sort of film language we understand. Like there's a rise and a fall, conflicts, inciting incident, all that stuff, and like we expect all these things to happen, and when they don't happen, it, it's it's really jarring, but not jarring, jarring in like a really like superficial way Mm. in that you know you might miss something interesting happening just because it's out of the norm or it doesn't fit into what we already to what we expect to happen i think that's what what all his films are about subverting that narrative expectation and uh sort of taking all these elements from like vaudeville and like uh carnival acts and sort of like the uh cinema of the attractions so like all his films are really disjointed and there's no like conventional act structure really and it really applies to like Gummo's really obvious example of like yeah. vignettes and like completely disparate stories that sort of dovetail and like interweave together to produce like a coherent whole but Spring Breakers is like like qu- a lot more sensible but like still the same kind of thing I think Spring Breakers is nearly even more not like incomprehensible but there's no other word that I can think of to describe like the like, like narrative yeah, it's like a, it's a weird flow to a film. Mm. Um, I remember like last time when we were talking about this, like we were really talking about like the sense of like it being a dream, and it is like it is that flow. Like if I was to describe to someone like the plot of Spring Breakers and just like it was like oh yeah, it's with these girls and they go on spring break and they 
they go to jail for a bit and a guy comes in he breaks them out and then like they experience a life of crime whatever and if i was to describe someone like that is what spring breakers is i'd be completely lying to them (laughs) but i'd also be telling them the truth because it's like that is the plot but it's also it's also vibes it's vibes this film is vibes and like the audio is like so hard to describe as well the like overlaying of uh narration kind of in a sense but it's not really narration it's just like fucking mm. like just a random scene that will be happening and then all of a sudden it's like spring break forever spring mm. break and shit like that um, yeah it's almost it's like a like trash opus yeah, it's almost like a precursor to this, and just the way it like, like another way, trash on sort of it started to make sense in a weird way at the end, like a really like convoluted sense, which is like, I suppose this whole point, you can almost read trash on as like a precursor to Spring Breakers because Spring Breakers does the same thing, but in like a like a really like like heavy way. It's like trash humpers on ecstasy or something, you know? Like it, yeah, it comes. It's like a lot faster. It's a lot like more intense, and the colors pop. There's lots of neons and stuff. And even like the audio and the uh, like the sound design. Use some montages as well. Yeah, montage. Yeah, especially it's like so stylized. Like as you say, if you explain it in like a conventional narrative sense, it doesn't make any sense because it's not. It's not about that. It's like about. It's a different kind of film. It's like literally something to experience is the only way that I could really describe it. It Mm. is like an experience to have, and then like when you're when you're when you're in the experience, it's kind of. Like, you either like it or you don't, but I think, like, afterwards can really, like, change your f- opinion on it. Like, I like Trash Humpers after watching Trash Humpers. Watching Trash Humpers was fucking awful. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. afterwards, it's really cool to talk about. Um, It's not even cool to talk about. It's just cool to, like, think about, kind of, and, like, just, like, mm. think about, like, the vibes and the tones of what was going on in the film. And, like, Spring Breakers as well is kind of like that. But Spring Breakers is really fun to watch still. Um, mm. Especially like the end. Like I think the ending is very cathartic. Like them just It's not even cathartic. It's like... I guess it is a sense of catharsis. But like they're just like the... Them going through to like the... The place. I don't know where they're going to. Like some mansion whatever. Some party. And the girls just go ahead and start shooting up everything. Mm. But it's all... But it like... It is like... Because I was watching it. And it's beautifully shot. Because it's like them... It's like the two girls... In their neon, in their neon uh, yellow bikinis, with their neon pink uh, balaclavas on, with fucking alien James Franco, who's fucking amazing in the film. Mm. Uh, but they're walking down this like neat pink neon pink bridge, and it's all black around. And I was looking, and I was like, "Oh, this this feels like a dream, whatever." And then uh, James Franco was like, "It feels like a dream," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, alien, yeah, you get it, man." <laughs> Uh, and then he gets shot and the girls just like walk through like they don't even break their stride they just keep walking and like it's like bullets can't touch them they're completely invincible and there's no tension in it but like it's just mesmerizing i don't know how to describe this film it's a weird fantastic film like it is great i think Mm, yeah fantastical that's a good description it's like it's like an artifact from a different world a parallel universe Mm. where like they make films in a different way yeah and like maybe in that universe, everyone would be like, "Whoa!" Like this would be like a blockbuster, but it's it's made in a weird way. But it's like an anti-blockbuster. Di- yeah, yeah. Like in this in this timeline in this universe, it's, it serves as like a weird kind of contrast. It like sort of 
subordinates itself to this like broader montage where like you watch like you sort of need to watch Spring Breakers in the context of like a Disney film like a, one of those like because it was advertised as you say as like as one of those like breakout Disney girls Ooh, kind of movies Selena Gomez and where the fuck her name is I can't remember her name Girl from High School Musical Vanessa Hudgens Vanessa Hudgens they're in a movie where they're in bikinis guns mm. and there might be boobs boobs <laughs> yeah yeah so you have to sort of Watch it in that sense, and then it makes a lot more sense that way. Because I think is yeah, I think it's about because like it's it's almost like a critique of that as well. Because people would have went to this thinking that like oh shit, gonna get to see Selena Gomez's boobs, and then they go and they watch a fucking Harmony Korine film. Yeah, like it's it's like Harmony Korine saying like fuck you for thinking you were gonna get what you want. I'm not gonna give you what you want. Um. Yeah, it's like he fucking he like cook holds his fucking audience and everything. Yeah, he cooks the audience. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like he, it is like that because it's like he he and like you don't get the fucking violence that you think you're gonna get either, and you don't you don't get anything that you would expect from like any of the promotional material for this film, and it's mm. it is obviously done on purpose. Um, and in that sense, I think like Spring Breakers in a way has way more of like easy to identify. Um, message and themes within the film yeah it's it's like it's it's a, it's a lot clearer to read than this other stuff yeah you know like it's it's not like something that you have to really like sit down it's not like trash numbers where you have to spend an hour talking about it afterwards to be like oh that, <laughs> for, that's what the, to, the message was you know for you to start for you to finally start liking it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah you just like it it's like an immediate kind of like assault on the senses yeah which is like the strategy of the film but also, like, sort of his attitude, like, Corinne's attitude as a filmmaker. Like, he's just, he, it's a punch in the face. He's such a cool know? film. He's such maker. a cool dude. He is a cool dude. Such a cool dude. Even I like, wish he made more stuff. I wish he made way more stuff. I wish he came out with, like, a film, like, every two or three years. <laughs> but, His last um, one was rubbish, though. Beach Bum. Oh, Beach Bum. I was going to say Julian Donkey Boy. Not that's that's years. Or, not. Or Mr. Lonely, I think. They're doing, I need to watch uh, Julian Donkey Boy and Mr. Lonely, I think. I think they're the only one. And Beach Bum, but like, I might not watch Beach Bum. Yeah, Beach Bum is shite. So bad. It's like Spring Breakers on crack, but like, in a bad way. In a bad way? Because like, I'd say like Trash Bumpers is Spring Breakers on crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. Crack, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What meth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meth, maybe. Um, But like, I think as well, like, there's still that like, identifiable... Uh, Corinne thing where it is like these like people that have been like kind of left behind like and these girls are like way more literally left behind because they're <laughs> they're literally like by themselves on college campus and they want to go somewhere and so they have to engage in crime in order to get there which is like you know these people have been completely left behind by like society as a whole and there's no opportunity for them for them to make enough money to be able to experience any sort of freedom like they're constantly trapped um and then there's like a, a kind of thing about like how much is too much freedom nearly i guess i don't know there's like there's ways you could read the film that way i think but it is way more identifiable in this film than in a uh, in other korean films i feel like but yeah that's that's what I think about Spring Breakers. Anyway, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, like to add on to me or not. But <laughs> well, forget it, because I forget as well. Ah, fuck it, it's gone. Yeah, but yeah. Speaking of uh, the male gaze, I watched The Virgin Suicides last week on uh, or no wait, 
Yeah. Whenever. <laughs> yeah, whenever. I watched it one of the days anyway. Have you ever seen Virgin Suicides? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um, Sophia Coppola, isn't it? Yeah, Sophia Coppola. The daughter, I think, of Francis. It's based on the book by uh, some guy called Eugenides. Uh, so it's based on a book. But, like, it's about, like, these five girls who are, like, sort of trapped within the uh, control of a patriarchal society, I suppose. It's this really, like, smart, ironic film about uh, how we think of uh, girls and women and, like, the male gaze as a whole mm-hmm. um, as a society and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. But it's done so well. It's, like, really stylized. It's, like, it's almost so well hidden. Or, no, it's, it's almost so, like, on the nose that you don't even notice it's like it's it's played yeah. straight, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you almost you'd you'd miss the whole irony of it uh, if you just thought it was like a sort of like quirky kind of a, like coming of age drama or whatever. Like because there's, there's loads of them, uh, so like it plays by the language of those kinds of films. Um, and I think though as well, the Virgin Suicides is such a good name to like draw your attention to. Like this isn't gonna be <laughs> this isn't gonna be a feel good film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, because it's told from the perspective of like they have like a mirror of like f- of uh, like five boys who are like the uh, narrators. They're like it's told from their perspective, the five young boys, and they see these girls, the Lisbon girls, their names, and they uh, they live in a house across the street, and they're all like really beautiful, or whatever, and they're like uh, teenagers. It's called a they call it a Greek chorus, but apparently that's only because the writer, who, the guy who wrote it, was like had a Greek second name. But it's basically it's told from like with the a we pronoun like everything yeah. is narrated as we saw them and like you know we did this and stuff like that so it's, it's from the boys perspective and they're always saying stuff like uh, we could never understand why the lisbon girls did what they did uh, we could only try to forget them like um like they're completely mystified as to like pretty much anything the the girls ever do yeah these are like girls are like this like foreign other that can't ever be understood there's something to be like yeah gazed exactly at. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like the whole freudian thing like women is the bearers of meaning and men is the makers of meaning like the girls are only there as like objects to be for meaning to be to be projected on by the boys and like they mm. that's how they see it and that's how the story is basically of the girls having to come to terms with that uh, of the world that only sees them as objects and yeah. as a sort of like just sort of dummies to have like a a set fate and a set destiny like they're supposed to do this and they can only do that and uh they're not to to uh partake in these activities or whatever like the mom is really controlling and the like they're not allowed to date boys and stuff like that uh but yeah eventually one by one they start uh committing suicide and like that's sort of what it's built uh, built around like the sort of the tragedy of it mm. uh, and like half of that is the tragedy of suicide as you know any suicide is tragic but then the fact that it's young women committing suicide, yeah. it's like young people and they're like, they're young girls. They're like the, you know, life, potential life givers and stuff like that. It's really well done. And it's like, so it's really smart stylistically. Um, and it's really well shot and like really well, well written, well acted as well. Kirsten Dunst is the main Lisbon sister. Um, Josh Harden is like the, like the heartthrob. And uh, it's all, there's a lot of tropes built into it. Um, but like purposeful tropes and yeah they're put in there on purpose so yeah yeah it sort of subverts it later like he's the heartthrob and uh he gets every girl he wants but uh i can't remember her name the Kirsten dunst is uh 
isn't interested in them because she's too cool. She's like, you know, she's mysterious. She's not. Ooh, she's, she's not putting herself different. out there. She's different. <laughs> she's not one of those girls. And so basically, it's all about like the sort of the second act is mainly about him uh, winning her over and stuff. And they bring he brings her to the homecoming dance and stuff. And like, there's a whole scene where they have sex on the uh, the uh, football pitch, and she wakes up the next morning and he's gone. And her, her uh, sort of dealing with the fallout of that, like putting herself forward and having herself mm. exploited and sort of used in that way. But, you know, again, like she's always been used to that. Like all the girls are used to that as just sort of things to be used, like not fully human persons. Like the, even the fact that we're never given their perspective, everything's told from yeah. an exterior perspective. Even his pursuit of her, even though she's the one we sympathize with more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, uh, really cool. Um, that sounds like it sounds really really good. Yeah, I'm I'm really late to the to the party in that one because I've heard so much about it, and it's like really influential in terms of uh, in terms of style and aesthetics. Um, I think it was '99 it was made. What kind of like how would you describe the um, aesthetics and stuff like that? It's like really playful, like it's almost like a teen comedy kind of thing, but it's obviously has this, like like this layer underneath it when you peel it back. Yeah, because it's it's so obviously it's like a facade. And uh, that's hiding something underneath, and uh, but like it, it never really like reveals its trick. Like you could you could read the film completely straight all the way through. It's mm. just like a story of like oh this weird thing happened in this suburban neighborhood and uh, these girls boys, be weird. Yeah, and girls crazy. be weird, and the boys never figured it out. And at the end, but there's a lot more to it. It's like its use of like camera work and stuff, and uh, there's just a lot to it. Basically, you should give it a watch. Yeah, definitely, I should. It's but, on um, Netflix or something, isn't it? It's actually not. It's actually not available anywhere. Oh. I think it used to be on Netflix then. Yeah, I think maybe. But uh, that's why I took so long to watch it because I couldn't find it anywhere. Never got around to it. But I watched it and I am grateful for that because it's very... Mm. It really ties into all that stuff. It's even, like Spring Breakers is like obviously very, very different but it's the same kind of thing uh, in terms of like Disney girls and like sort of romanticizing uh, girlhood and like that progression from girlhood into womanhood or whatever. It's a lot like Picnic or Hanging Rock as well and uh, The Falling. And it's almost like, and he seems to be using like uh, kind of tropes that would be seen in like the teen comedy and stuff like that. So in a way, kind of, I wonder if like um, Jennifer's yeah. body was influenced by this as well then. Because yeah, probably. it's almost like a very similar thing as well. Mm, yeah. It's, yeah, it's actually well written as well. Very well written. But it was based on the book so like probably something to do with that. But yeah, it's uh there needs to be more movies like that to just like deconstruct things that you kind of take for granted in other films or like you know that's like the male gaze is something that like you have to kind of learn about Mm. but if it's in if there's if it's in a film that's clearly critiquing that it becomes way easier to see and to spot and stuff like that to understand more about even though the male gaze is something outside of film obviously but Mm. within films it can be a way to learn about and outside of films, if you know what I mean, films is a learning tool. Yeah, it's all about it's all about media, you know. Yeah, image images. Yeah, I definitely have to you give know. that. I'll have to give that a go. It sounds good. Give it a juicy gander. Have a, have a look. I am um, her new film. Um, is out now. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one with Bill Murray. He's done it, mm. uh, and it's on Netflix. And. Uh, my like mom, my dad, and my sister—they were watching it, and they said it was fucking shit. Well, who? Who's? Um, heard Sophia Coppola's new movie. Oh, 
Yeah, she's a real spotty track record. Yeah, she's real hit or miss. Because like, I walked in on one scene and it was Bill Murray talking to his daughter. But the two of them weren't... They weren't in person, basically. Like, you could tell that uh, Bill Murray was acting in front of nothing. Like, there was no mm. one there. And his face was CGI'd on and you could clearly see that. Uh, mm. And, like, the way that he was acting was tonally different to the way that the girl was responding to him and stuff like that. Just yeah, very, yeah. very poorly done. Um, yeah. I assume it must have been something to do with Corona, but at that stage, just fucking pause production. You're just gonna make a shit film then. Yeah, I should, there's definitely a way around that. Yeah, she's a weird, she's a weird one. Mm. I know she did a. Uh, remember that film, Mary Antoinette, with Kirsten Dunst. In no, two thousand five, two thousand four. It's like this film about. It's like a biopic of Mary Antoinette, but like it's she wears like Converse and shit, and like. Uh, that the soundtrack is all like two thousand hits, but it's about Marie Antoinette. Oh uh, yeah, she's a weird director. I, that sounds interesting though, but like it also sounds like yeah. when in uh, the Great Gatsby, all of a sudden fucking Kanye West music started playing during the party yeah. and was on as it, like a uh, production of it was it like people were talking in the scene and in the background was Kanye West and it's like wait what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, the diegetic sound within the film yeah. is Kanye West even though it's fucking great Gatsby yeah, like I'm sure bizarre. like there's a reason for that but it's also just fucking bizarre and it's really distracting it just it's just it really do- jarring and doesn't work for whatever it's trying to do it's not doing it <laughs> yeah yeah it's just not it's never worked like just don't do it or maybe it has worked but it doesn't work usually no, I don't think so. I don't think that shit... Like, unless, like, it's really intentional and, like, consistent throughout the film, I don't think it works. But I don't know. Maybe it works in Mary Antoinette. I haven't seen it. But she's a weird director. Like, I don't... Like, mm. I've had um, Lost in Translation on my list for fucking ages to watch. But I don't think I'm ever, ever, ever going to be in the mood to watch it. Yeah, is that the one with uh, Johansson and yeah, Bill Murray? Bill Murray again. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I don't think I'll ever watch that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I Bill do want Murray, wanna... I'm... I'm not big on Bill Murray, to be honest. I don't get him. I kind of get that. Him. I I like him. I really do like Bill Murray, but I also I kind of get what you're talking about. Like I just don't get it. Like what's the what's the crack? Groundhog the Day obsession? is the crack, man. Groundhog Day. Yeah. And Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is, is very good, good, but like, is it that good? Probably not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Staying he has a whole man's career. Although he was also in Zombieland, where he took the piss out of doing Garfield, so. Redeems himself in my eyes. Garfield, now that's a masterpiece. Yeah, that's a that, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I definitely I might see if I can track down a couple more of her films. But also, she's I know that she is a very spotty director, but still, she's worth she's always worth talking about. Yeah, <laughs> her films are some, her films are something to talk about at least. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I, I was trying to see. I don't know. What was the other thing? There's no easy segue into whatever whatever else I've been watching. So I've also been watching <laughs> The Dance of Reality uh, oh, okay. by our boy Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky. Um, man, every time I think about it, I'm just like, I want to rewatch The Holy Mountain, but I never know if I'm going to be ready to rewatch The Holy Mountain. <laughs> I, will, I will never be ready unless I'm in a room with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only time, and we need to, it needs to be, it can't just be me and you, we no, need no. more people there. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, we should meet up, we should get Orla and Isabel and force them to watch it too. Oh god, no, <laughs> that would not end well. <laughs> yeah, end of the night, the two of us are single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least we still have Jodorowsky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the dance of reality is um, 
I feel like in 2013, it's like, I don't know if we're going to keep, like, doing this kind of theme or whatever, but uh, it's, like, kind of an autobiography. And there's a sequel, I kind of guess, called Endless Poetry that came out in 2016, which is also the events of his life after the dance of reality. But, like, none of it is true at all. It's all complete bullshit. Like, when you look up his actual life, Jodorowsky had a very, very tough um, childhood, which might be the reason why the dude's an absolute fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And uh, but the dance of reality is cool. Uh, it's way more like comprehensible uh, than stuff like the Holy Mountain, but it's also way less comprehensible because it's like none of this is true. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, where is this coming from? <laughs> yeah, what's the message? Like, what's it trying to say? I have no idea. There's like political stuff going on. There's mm. a relationship between a man and his son more than anything, what? I think. Like not like a rela- sorry, not like <laughs> not like a relationship. <laughs> like just like a man and the son. Okay. <laughs> like like a very normal <laughs> relationship. <laughs> to an extent, because he beats the shit out of him. But you know, oh. whatever. Um but like it's like his dad was like a communist that moved to Chile uh, from, oh God, I can't remember where he's from. Poland, probably. No, where the fuck is he from? It's not Poland. Jodorowsky. Hungary, is it? No, it's not even uh, Hungary. One he's of those countries. He's one of, from, his parents are from there. Where the fuck is he? Doesn't matter. Yugoslavia, I think it is. Might be there. Anyway, he's from fucking some ex-USSR uh, country. But anyway, Jodorowsky's from Chile, but his dad was a communist and... There's a whole thing about like there's de- there's a lot of like politics going on in the film, and like growing up um with these surroundings and trying to find yourself, and it's just a weird fucking film. It's a weird film that I can't, I don't really read in the sorry, it's a film where I don't really read that much into. It's more just like weird shit going on, mm. but there definitely is like a a message underneath. It's just way less. In a way, the film itself is way more comprehensible than The Holy Mountain. But because of that, the like weirdness and the subtext is way less easy to read. Because it's way easier to just focus on the actual film. Mm. Um, but I did really enjoy it. And there's loads of bits I, that, I, that I can remember back to and stuff like that. Like, his dad goes off to like assassinate the Chilean dictator by like taking care of his horse... And then he poisons the horse, and when he's about to shoot the Chilean dictator, he his hands freeze up like, like oh yeah, are, like, closed up, and he he walks around for the rest of the film like that. <laughs> the claw. Um, and then there's stuff about like religion and mysticism and all this weird shit, and there's his mom in it. The relationship with the mom, Mark, you can actually go, oh no, <laughs> you can't have that reaction. <laughs> Why is he riding the mom? No, but his mom gets naked in front of him quite a lot, and she's a quite a large-breasted woman. <laughs> oh, it's Freud. It's Freud. Um, but like, uh, to the point where like Jodorowsky is like such a weirdo, uh, that there and like when you learn about the actual relationship between him and his mom, and the way that she she hated him, uh, because of how the circumstances of his birth. If you want to learn into it, look it up. I don't want to really talk about that, but uh. <laughs> There's like he is such a weirdo that there's definitely like a reason for why he portrayed his mom like this in the film. 
Mm. Um, and also, it's his his son plays his dad within the film, and Jodorowsky himself just randomly shows up, like holding his younger self, like really weird shit. Just fucking, he's a weirdo. He's just a weird fucking dude. Yeah, he needs help. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, but I don't really have that much to say about it because I didn't read that much into like the subtext, and it's just like a weird, uh, surreal film. It's good though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I need to watch more Jodorowsky. Mm. Seems like an interesting guy. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, like, his films are, like, really weird and interesting as well. Like, the dude himself is a fucking enigma. Um, I want to watch um his first film, because apparently his first film, like, people... He had to, like, flee the fucking cinema after <laughs> afterwards, uh, and people pelted rocks at his car when he's leaving and stuff like that. <laughs> That's what you want. Mm. Wh- which one's If you're that? not making a movie... Uh, El With Topo. that reaction, you're not making... Uh, no, it's not El Topo. It's a film that came out before El Topo. But if you're not making a movie that gets... elicits that reaction out of people, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. If people don't want to cause harm to you after your film, you made a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want it to have real-world impacts. Is it Fando E. Lease? Yes, that's it. Fando, ah, yeah. It's an person. adaptation of, the, of a play. And it's only... And it's not even... It's an adaptation of a play that... He hasn't that he remembers. It's not even that he's like basic exactly on it. It's like, oh, I remember this play. I'm just gonna recreate that. <laughs> I think ah, this is what happened. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and it's only like 90 minutes as well. It's one of his shorter movies because like most of his films now are like two, two and a half hours long. Like, yeah. Dance Reality was like two hours and 20 minutes, I think. I think that's how long it was, like two and a half hours. Um, but yeah, Holy Mountain's still. I still think about that movie. Over two years later, I still think about that movie. It was a bit intense. Oh, it's insane. I can't wait to go back to it. But again, time and a place. Need yeah, time and a place. I think right now is the time. No, 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 no. Oh, Definitely no. Um, but yeah, I also watched uh, Napoleon Dynamite Oh yeah. for the yeah. first time. Uh, throwing it back to Corinne, I guess. I feel like uh, Napoleon Dynamite has a lot of similarities to Gummo in a way, mm. but it doesn't have like intertwining stories and it's not like it's a little Well I guess it actually does have a kind of vignettes. And it sorry, yeah no it does think about think about it now. It actually does have a structure similar to Gummo um where these like little vignettes happen and they intertwine together. But whereas Gummo is a lot like some people find Gummo really disturbing because of its tone and like the stuff that happens in the film. Like, nothing really gruesome or violent happens in Gummo. But it also, it's a very uncomfortable movie. Whereas mm. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite is like a warm hug. And it's like wholesome. And it didn't have the ending that I thought it was going to have. Because I thought like... Because it's a teenage comedy. And you'd expect that at the end people... Because like he does the dance at the end of the film. Which I didn't know that the end of the film was the dance. Like him doing his little dance or whatever. And he's doing it from the entire crowd. And you expect for people to take the piss out of him. But instead they, they stand up and they cheer. And Napoleon like has a happy ending. Which you wouldn't really think would be the case. But it's a it's a happy film. It's a feel good film. Mm, yeah, it sounds strange. It is strange. It's... I want to watch it again. Like, I watched it earlier this week. Where'd you and watch I it? Watch it, again. Uh, it was on Now TV. Oh, right. Um, but I want to watch it again. Just to... It's just a warm hug. It's just a nice, feel-good film. But it's also mm. really weird. It's really fucking weird. Um, 
and it ha- it does have ties to uh to Gummo, I feel like. I don't know. When did Gummo come out? Ninety seven. Oh then Gummo definitely had influence on Napoleon Dynamite, one hundred percent. Um at least about two thousand four, isn't it? Yeah, there's no, there's no way it didn't have an influence on it, because like even like Napoleon has a and he has a brother as well, and his brother, <clears throat> like you know the way in Gummo, the kid. I don't even know do, do the characters have names in Gummo. <laughs> yeah, Solomon is the kid with the weird face, and then Tumblr is the one who looks like Neil. <laughs> he does look like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like uh, Napoleon and his brother are like. The two of them, in a mm. way, kind of, not really. But which kind one's of. which? Uh, Napoleon is like Solomon, whatever the fuck he said his name. Oh, was. Okay. And then because uh, he has he has his brother as well, and his brother's like his older brother, oh. like the dude and thing, who's and also he ends up like getting a girlfriend and all, in a way, kind of like in Gummo. <laughs> yeah, actually, very similar. <laughs> but like, I all the actors are like, all the actors like that play the. Uh, the teenagers in the school, like some of them are like blatantly uh, not teenagers, but I think that's kind of the point. Like they're not, they're way too old looking and I think they drew on wrinkles anyway. Like it's kind of the point is that like, mm. it's like, oh, it's kind of weird that this teenager is talking to this middle-aged guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like stylized kind of thing. Mm. And it is a super stylistic film as well. Like it has really nice use of color and really like symmetrical shots and nice like tracking of like camera shots and stuff like that really really cool and it also has like these shots are like like really uh they fuck around with proportions kind of yeah it's cool yeah. really good really really good i really enjoyed it yeah, and it's it less sounds... than an, it's less than an hour and a half as well it's an hour and 20 minutes oh really jesus yeah you love when a film is is less than an hour and a half it's mm. amazing and i got that uh Corinne feeling as well like there was moments where like I was completely like sucked into the film mm. and I was just like experiencing the vibe and whatever and then there'd be moments where like I would break away and like I would like kind of like come to again it was like a weird sense of like coming in and out of a dream that I had with this film it was really fucking cool which I get with Corinne films as well Um, I think it's just kind of the non-linear structure of a film might yeah. have that effect or something. Yeah, I love when a film has that kind of uh, like rhythm to it, you know? It feels yeah. like yeah, you're just drawn into it and then you like snap out of it. Like That's the best part about a cinema for me. I always love when you went into a cinema. Yeah, and you then, like, sucked in. Yeah, yeah, it's just like everything goes dark. Like, that's the whole point. Like You're supposed to like... It's like sensory deprivation nearly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and then you come out and it's like you just woken up from a dream. Everything feels like fresh and new. It's so weird. Mm. It is weird, yeah. I miss cinemas. I miss that feeling. Yeah, the vibe. But um, even like with Napoleon Dynamite, it's like they're like um, the plot summary that you'd find if you looked it up is like, no, Napoleon helps his friend Pedro to, to become class president. That doesn't happen until like half an hour is left in the film. Like there's an hour of the film that happens before that. And that's just like picked up at the end of the film. Like, <laughs> mm. And like there's like loads of like things happening in the film. But again, it's like these little vignettes that like tie to each other and like there's there's like three characters that you follow you follow napoleon uh and you follow uh uncle something i can't remember his name and then uh, napoleon's brother like you follow kind of the three of them throughout the film and just stuff kind of happens but it is that like stuck in the middle of nowhere have nothing to really do 
have no real goals because of that. But we're just going to vibe. <laughs> just vibe city. Something about the vibes, yeah, I don't know. It's like, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, You can't cool. reduce it down to an equation. It's all just vibes. Just vibes, just straight just up vibes. vibes. Um, but yeah, and then the guy that played Napoleon is in like Blades of Glory and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> like he's, he is, he's a king. He hasn't done, he's done fuck all, but he's a king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything he's done, pretty good. So mm, Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Blades of Glory, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll take it. It's a lot better than Balls of Fury. Got Balls of Fury. Oh, jeez. That thing's horrific. Mm, That thing is actual just dog shit. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of a film that is not vibey at all, I watched Falling Down also last week. Uh, Oh, yes. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. The guy did Batman Forever. I'm sure we all know what that is. Everyone's seen that. Bat nips. Stuff like that. Gay Batman. I knocked this on after you told me about it uh, yesterday. Oh, really? And I was like, and I was, I, I watched like the opening shots of the film. I was like, I am not in the mood to watch this film at all. I'm just going to watch something else. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a, it's a mood piece in the sense that you have to be in a certain mood to watch it. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It's like everyone knows the sort of character, like, you know, Michael Douglas is the main character in this. His name is Bill. It's a really iconic yeah. looking film that I've never heard like I never heard of either. Mm. Um I never uh had heard of, I guess, but I knew like it's like you said uh last week when we were talking about this that like you saw the character and it's like, Oh, I recognize that. Mm. Um and I was the same when I looked at it, I was like, Oh shit, I recognize that, but I don't know from where. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it sort of entered the canon, but like the film isn't really like a household name. Like he's the basis of Frank Grimes and The Simpsons. Mm. like grimy like the crew cut uh shirt and tie black black tie uh you know like really well put together like just like a really like he's done everything that's ever been asked of him he's just like an officer joe drum. america yeah true america he's like he's done everything he can he possibly can to succeed and he's still a complete fucking failure <laughs> yeah. and that's the whole that's complete fuck up. and that's what it's about it's about him falling down into the depths of a uh, sort of desperation i just sort of tracks him from a uh, the initial sort of opening scene where it's him in a, a traffic jam. Which, I, I think that's the, is that the scene you saw? Where it's like, yeah, it's like and it's like, and it's like uh, real like musty, murky, brown, shitty fucking air, like hot. You, you can feel everything yeah. that he's feeling. You're like, this is a complete fucking shithole. Yeah. <laughs> and he's stuck in traffic. He's stuck in traffic. It's like, it's like a chorus of like car horns and like people yelling. And like, just like, yeah, the musty air and there's like and he's sweat, sweating. yeah, sweat dripping down his brow. And uh, he's like, I don't know, you assume he's late for work or whatever. And it just eventually builds into this crescendo and he just fucking snaps, gets out of his car and uh, walks off. How, how long does it take for that to happen? Or does that happen like really quickly? I think it's like five, five minutes. <laughs> it's just like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just <laughs> five minutes in the traffic jam and he just goes on a rampage across the city. But that's, that's, a massacre. that's the sort of funny part of it. Like, it's it is, it's really funny in some parts. And, like, obviously the whole the whole setup, like that initial scene as a setup, is just ridiculous. And it sounds like mm. the start of a joke. Like, everyone's had that moment where, like, you just feel like... It sounds like the Joker. Yeah, it's, that's his Joker origin story. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. He actually could do this. As a, Joel as Schumacher <laughs> did the original Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a pretty good take, actually. But, um, yeah, so, like, it is pretty ridiculous. But, yeah, he gets up and leaves, leaves his car, and the guy behind him obviously gets out. He's like, oh, what the fuck, man? He's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going home. 
and he's walking he just walks off fucking power walks off with his briefcase into the bushes and you don't see him again for a while but basically he goes on a rampage all across LA to get to his his uh, daughter's birthday party and he's uh, his, uh, he doesn't have custody of his daughter anymore he divorces his wife like a few years before and uh, he, now he lives with his mom and uh, it's not told to like halfway through the film but he's also lost his job um, mm. but like when they're investigating Dude's his struggling yeah when they're investigating his uh, his like his crimes or whatever they're uh, told by his mom that he's been going to work every day for the past three months even though he doesn't have a job and she's like where has he been eating his lunches you know it's really like it has like those little sort of jokes in the middle of it like really like what has this guy been doing every day for the past three months yeah. if he's not going to work like he's just completely lost it and he's obviously been, go- been gone like completely gone for a long time the film is read in a variety of different ways and a lot of people read it as like a really like reactionary far right almost fascist uh, attack on minorities like last week I was really really struggling to understand the tone of this film mm. Because if the film was really, really serious, you'd be like, this film is just racist. Yeah. But then you're like, well, Joe Schumacher is also Jewish. <laughs> and he's only... Is Joe, Joe Schumacher gay? He might be gay. I don't know if he's gay. He might yeah, be gay. I think he is. But yeah, and then he made this film, which is like, you'd expect it to be like a critique of that at the same time. But, mm. but it's like, it also does it. <laughs> yeah, it's like an extreme... like. I don't know. It's like an anti-critique. It's like deck the, the deck the halls of fascist films, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's going so far that it's obviously not... Like, you're never at any point in the film supposed to completely sympathize with what he's doing. It's made plain that he's completely insane and that he's doing awful things. But at the same mm. time, it's like, the reason why it's like sort of compelling to watch is like, because everyone, everyone has that those sort of moments where you're like, you just want to snap, you know? Like, everyone has yeah. that sort of you know, get pushed to the edge, and that's what he's supposed to represent. Um, I think Schumacher did an interview afterwards, uh, or during the promotion of the film, talking about how Bill is supposed to represent uh, the American worker following the the end of the Cold War. Uh, some, the quote was something like, uh, "We won the war. Where's all the all the loot? Like, you know, they won the war. Where's but, my cut? Yeah, the where's pie? my cut the pie? They they fuck all. Like they they weren't getting anything. Like this guy." Bill worked as a defense contractor or something like that. He built missiles for the uh, for the military, protecting America, as he says multiple times through the film. But he, uh, you know, he lost his job. His wife is gone. His kid is gone. He's alone. He lives with his ma. He's got nothing to show for. His yeah, he's tr- absolutely nothing. And so he just goes around like, you know, terrorizing people basically. Taking it out on the minorities. <laughs> yeah, the first three or four people he hits are mi- minorities, so it looks a bit bad. Especially because this was released in '93, and it was actually, it was actually filmed in '92 uh, during the the LA riots that summer, I think it was. And uh, they actually had to stop filming at one point because the, it was too dangerous, because uh, like things had sort of gotten out of control. So uh, it was really sensitive at the time, especially because the first guy he attacks is a Korean grocer, which were like the main targets of the riots. So they were like, but it was written before, obviously. So it's just sort of yeah, yeah, sort of a coincidence. I don't know. I feel like if, because it's something that small. I was like, oh yeah, we just get him to like, we'll just shoot it now and get him to hit a Korean. Like, I feel like that was definitely intentional to like invoke those feelings, especially because the LA riots. I don't know much about the LA riots. I assume that there was a lot of racial tension during the LA riots. <laughs> yeah, well, it was Rodney King, wasn't it? So, um, 
it would have done that on purpose to like spark those feelings in the viewer and to remind them of like the LA riot or whatever and for them to think about the LA riots while this film is while this white man is going on a fucking rampage battering minorities and shooting people <laughs> yeah maybe well it's, he's definitely on the wind up anyway for most of the film because mm. then he goes uh he beats up a load of like uh latino gangbangers uh and like takes their guns they have like a big uh like rucksack full of guns and uh nice. he robs that for, <laughs> i can't remember how but he, he somehow managed to do that and then he goes to uh he goes to like a burger place and he arrives just after like 11 o'clock and he's like, he wants a breakfast meal. And they're like, sir, we don't do breakfast. And so he starts, like, escalating. He's like, the way he does it is, like, Michael Douglas is a really good performance from him. He raises, like, so, like, gradually. But then he just, like, sort of, it just spills over. And he's suddenly shouting everywhere. And then he produces, like, a machine gun. And he's like, he's like, make my burger. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, even the way he asks, like, they hand him his burger. And uh, he points to the uh, to the ad advertising the breakfast burger, and uh, then he, he's like he's showing the burger that he's been given, and it's all flattened and it's like grey and stuff. And uh, he turns around to the everyone else in the restaurant. He's like, "Can anyone see what's wrong with this burger?" And like everyone's just silent, and the kid just raises his hand, and then it just cuts to like the police chasing him like from the sky. Like it's it's like it's not it's not played totally seriously all the way through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Then he starts beating up white people. He gives some old guy a heart attack on a on a golf course and like watches him as he dies, which is pretty fucked up. And then he gets uh, he runs into a Nazi as well, and the Nazi's like hiding him from the cops. Uh, and that that was like a moment where like I think it's trying to sort of distance itself from. Uh, yeah, it's Joel Schumacher's like I'm aware. Yeah. What what's going on here? What could potentially? Because if he doesn't have that scene, it's like well, this is just a blatantly racist film. Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's more like this is just like he's just trying to. Uh, distance himself from that yeah just get out like get out of the way because uh the nazi's like oh i love you i love your work i love your uh i love what you're fighting for you and me were the same and bill's like we're not the same i'm an american you're a piece of shit and then he shoots him and like he steals all his like camo and like more guns and stuff and it's uh it's really cool <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> best part of the movie yeah yeah <laughs> and then eventually he gets to his wife's gaff and uh, they've fled, obviously, because they realize that he's coming and he's a bit unstable. And uh, he's sitting in his, his gaff and his dog's sitting on the couch, his old dog, and he's watching home videos. And he's like, it's like him and his wife and he's, he's holding his kid and like his little, his little dog's a puppy and stuff. And he's like, it's a really emotional scene. But like he's in, even in the videos, he's acting weirdly. Like he's bought a horse for his daughter and he's like trying to make her enjoy it. He's like trying, to, and he's like shouting at her and stuff. He's like, "Why did you not want the pony?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> horsey, horsey, play with horsey, baby, play with horsey. He's like, it's really, it's like a bit unnerving. And yeah. then, uh, but like he's still watching it with like tears rolling down his eyes. Like he doesn't, he doesn't see the horror that he'd already yeah, been causing. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is, he wants. He's like, he's just going home. He just wants to return to a time when things were stable and things were good for him, and his life was paying off. But like. This this scene I think sort of shows the fact that things were never actually good. Yeah, like, he has like an imagined yeah. an idealized version of the past. Yeah, so he's like I don't know, like the American sort of fallen middle class in like the eighties and nineties, wanting to go back to the fifties, but not sort of realizing that the fifties was a myth altogether. Come on, there's nothing wrong with the fifties. Everything was great in the fifties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Economically they were okay, like but he still had, yeah, had all that dysfunction with like 
civil rights, even within the home. Like women didn't have rights, even like uh, child abuse and stuff. But it was easier for the Bill kind of character. You know, he's still getting fucked in the 90s, but like it was slightly better for him in the 50s. Dude's still getting fucked in 2020, but he's still acting like that. Yeah, yeah, he's still like, he's still fucking still, like, going on the rampage. This is where we want to be going. But uh, yeah, and then there's a whole scene. He goes to the pier and uh, Robert Duvall this entire time is like uh, a cop who's like, it's his last day before retirement, which is another trope that the film just sort of plays up to. And he's been a desk jockey his entire career and he's like, oh, he's the only one who's cottoned on to the, the guy rampaging around LA and he's the only one who can solve it. So he's like, I'm going to go out into the field and like, you know, make my career on the final day. And he stands up for himself and he's like, he's a, he's a whole like sort of B-plot arc. Uh, but they have a standoff on the pier. And uh, uh, at one point, Bill goes, uh, he realizes, he sees like the cops all down the other end of the pier and he's surrounded. And Robert Duvall is pointing his gun at him and his wife is there carrying with the, his daughter. And he's like, I'm the bad guy. It's like, it never, never occurred to him that he was the bad guy like he always yeah, thought of yeah. himself as a good american who did what what he needed to do to get ahead and it just never paid off and he explains that in a big like a big monologue at the end yeah eventually he gets shot and falls off the pier and uh yeah <laughs> but it's it's actually the ending is actually pretty sad that seems to kind of like muddle the message though as well the fact that like you do sympathize with this complete <laughs> fucking monster that's just going around massacring well, you sympathize people with him to the extent that like you can relate this you know you're gonna snap because the guy hasn't fucked over he's just re- yeah. he's just lashing out in the most like like the guy's also mentally ill and he's just lashing out in a really fucking weird way mm. and a really destructive way because he's not been taught anything else and you know i don't know it's like a story of self-destruction more than anything else like you don't you're never made to or the film never apologizes for what he does or it tries to make you justify it yeah yeah, yeah. but it just sort of happens and you feel you feel bad for him it's sort of like it's like a sort of tragic character, but at the same time, he does sort of deserve everything he gets because he just yeah you know he deserves to to die <laughs> yeah but he also he doesn't really um he doesn't kill many people like he like the first two uh, the Korean grocer he only beats him up uh, <laughs> he just beats the shit out of him. yeah um, who else he's just an asshole <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I don't know it's just it's a it is a pretty good film I didn't expect it to be that good anyway. You're way more positive, positive because the glass you like. Ah, uh, you're kind of yeah, it's kind of whatever. But you see more, way, way more positive on it. Yeah, yeah. With, I don't uh, know. Further I, reflection. I I've just been thinking about it, but it is. Mm. It's it's a a movie that makes you think. Makes you think in a really stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a film that definitely couldn't be made now. No, yeah, like it's just. Or if it was, it would need to like be more on the nose. Yeah. But I don't know. yeah, I don't think he could make it. It, it is pretty insensitive but i think it plays on that on purpose yeah there's no there's no way you can make a film about that like cleanly or anything like that Mm. even at the time Um, it wasn't there people were like why did you make this and he's like it's about uh, you know workers or something yeah fucking like well i think joker is way more cringy than that but like joker having that kind of like you know the same kind of message essentially Mm. or like that same kind of story i guess but uh, Joker makes it sad by having him get the shit kicked out of him for an hour and a half beforehand. <laughs> mm. Joker's also, like, Bill is, like, solidly middle class. Or he was, which is sort mm. of the point. Like, he's, like, the backlash of the fallen middle class. Whereas Joker's just a fucking, he's just a loser. Like, yeah, he, he was never, he never had anything. That's sort of no the moral of the story. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I th- I just think about. I've been thinking about Joker a few times today. I don't know why. It just <laughs> popped into my head a couple of times. Like every time I think about that movie, I like it a little bit less. So I need to just stop thinking about it. I like <laughs> the Joker. I thought it was. Oh, I don't like it. I thought it was good, but I also thought like it ripped off a lot of shit from other movies, which is why mm. it's co- which is the best parts of it are from other films. Yeah, I'd I'd excuse that because the guy who made those films also kicked off the Joker, basically produced the Joker. So yeah. I was like, is it plagiarism if the guy who is plagiarizing made the original material? It is in a way, but it's also not. <laughs> he's like he's like. You could rip me off. Yeah, that's basically what you said. <laughs> Go for like, it. If Scorsese didn't produce that, there'd definitely be a lawsuit. They'd be like, you just copied oh, the King of Comedy. 100%. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. There's that, and even like those other bits, like where he puts the gun, where he goes like, with his head and stuff like that, which is just yeah. straight out. Like, that is literally the ending of Taxi Driver. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think, it was, I think it was pretty good. As, as good as you can expect any billion dollar film to ever be. Yeah, fact. Yeah. yeah, it's as good as any fucking Todd Howard. Todd Howard is that his name, or not Todd Howard? What the fuck is his name? Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's as good as any fucking Todd Phillips film is ever gonna fucking. Yeah, be. Jesus, how did he make that? Yeah, like the guy that made the Hangover. Yeah. <laughs> that- Hangover is not even fucking good. Like Hangover. Hangover isn't that bad. To be fair, it's all right. It's not great. It's all though. right though. <laughs> yeah, but it's not something you'd you'd be like, oh yes, this is a masterpiece. It's like I know, what I know the guy that's gonna make the movie. <laughs> the guy that did the Hangover, <laughs> we're gonna make. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. Maybe if like David Lynch or something did the Joker, it would have turned out fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, mm. but you can sort of see how he'd make that already. Like, you know. Yeah, but I yeah I don't know. It's like it's a dumb smart movie. Like there's some clever things in it, but it's also fucking dumb. <laughs> ah yeah yeah. Mm. It could be done better, Which, but holds it back. Comic you book know. movies, you can't have any expectations. You really can't. Just, you know. Just stop making them. Just popcorn movies, for the most part. With a load of <laughs> American propaganda in them. Yeah, CIA <laughs> shit. Uh, talking about movies that make me want to go on a rampage, Mark. Fucking. Oh. Alex Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Uh, mentioned it briefly at the end of last episode. Uh, in terms of like, body horror. Because I've heard about this film for like how good its body horror is. And the body horror is very cool. And there's definitely lots of, like, really cool ideas about, like, the merging of, like, technology with humans and stuff like that. Mm. And it being, like, this horrifying process and something that maybe you don't want to happen to you, but you're, you're kind of forced into it, mm. nearly. Um, and I enjoyed it for that, kind of for those aspects of the film. The film is only an hour long. Um and it was shocking that I was fucking bored for most of it. I was on my phone for fucking ages. Uh, yeah, I was really disappointed in this film. I thought I was going to fucking love this film. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. And, like, I... You could watch it and, like, completely, like, love it. And, like, I was completely understand if anyone had that reaction to the film. But for me, personally, I was just fucking bored by it. I didn't think any of the, like, surreal, absurdist, like, kind of aspects of the film worked at all really i don't think they added anything they added to the kind of panic of what was going on and it is like the music and stuff is like industrial like metal clanking off each other and shit like that Mm. and all of it is added i guess by the fact that it's more like surreal or whatever you don't really know what's going on but the downside of that was uh i was bored like i didn't know what was going on for bits of it it didn't make a lot of sense and it does explain it 
uh, eventually it tells you what's going on but by that stage I was bored and I didn't really care and I didn't even finish it the film's an hour long and I didn't even fucking finish yeah, it yeah that's great it's gonna be fucking arse why is it an hour long I mean, it struggles to fucking fill out that fucking hour, so yeah. like that's that's why I guess. <laughs> like, I don't. I, I like. I'm like the concept is so good. I don't know how it didn't flesh it out and like because you, you could come up with like, oh, what's that movie? Fucking Cronenberg film. Video drone. You could come up with like a video drone of like industrialism mm. and like hard metal <laughs> kind of yeah. from this film. But it just doesn't do that. <laughs> and there's no conversation either. There's no like conversation where they talk about what's going on. Because it is like a David Lynch nightmare film. But because of that as well. It's all like. Like they focus on a, a the dude's dick turning into a drill for fucking ages. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where like I th- it's not funny anymore. Yeah. And I don't fucking care. <laughs> how, long does that, how long does that take in the film? Easily 10 minutes. Jesus, 10 minutes. So a sixth of the film is focused on this drill dick. The drill dick. Damn. But like, there's a bit beforehand where it's like, oh shit, this is going somewhere. Because, um, so basically, right, what happens is, is this dude, we see this dude in this like weird like nest of metal and scrap metal and like just like wires and shit. And uh, he like cuts open his leg and he he's jams a metal bar into his leg and that's like i was like oh fuck <laughs> like, mm. i got a real like visceral reaction out of me yeah um and then he like gets up and he starts like running away or whatever like hobbling i can't remember there's some reason why he's moving or whatever and this is where i knew that the film might be in trouble with like boring me and this is the very start of the film because there's like shots of his feet like running and like hobbling along or whatever and it goes on for slightly too long. Mm. And I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, oh no. <laughs> the, oh no, I know mm, this isn't a good sign. Like only five minutes into the film and this shot is going on for too long. Mm. And I'm already, I, I'm, I can feel myself reaching for my phone. Anyway, he gets hit by a car and then it cuts and this dude's like shaving and he finds like a bit of like, metal coming out of his face and it's a different dude and uh then he moves then he goes to like go to work or whatever and everything is like like everything is metally and everything is like really cramped and enclosed and like it's very claustrophobic and like you know modern technologically advanced society is like closing in on him i guess is what what it's going for and then he sits beside this woman and the woman like looks at the ground and she sees this like piece of metal that has like skin and flesh over it and we see from the the flesh technology thing Cronenberg monster whatever the fuck it is we see from its perspective and it looks like a, a like a screen and it's like cutting between her reaching over and trying to touch it which which went on for fucking ages as well like she sees it and then a minute later she's touching it and I was like why is it taking so long for everything to fucking happen? Mm. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and it's like intercut with like this dude that's in like this, like again, a metal nest kind of thing. And you're like, oh, so this guy's like connected to whatever is going on. Whoever this dude is, he's connected to everything. And uh, then she touches it and she kind of turns into like a metal zombie kind of thing and chases after the dude. And then when she gets some. Um, this weird like speeding up effect happens and then all of a sudden 
they're in the dude's garage. And I was like, oh, right. That was confusing. It didn't do anything. It just made things something. It made the, the change of scenery really confusing. What was the point in that? <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then that plays out, whatever. And then he slowly starts to turn into like more of a, a metal monster thing. But there's a bit where his girlfriend or his fiance or his wife, the woman that lives with him or whatever, uh, he's dreaming and he imagines her with this like, she's like a metal monster kind of thing or whatever. And she gets up and she has this like tube or whatever. And it's like, oh, that kind of looks like a dick. And then it like, the film makes it way more literal that it is a dick because she sodomizes him with it. (laughs) And uh, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I get it. You know, technology and women. Cause like, that's like an interesting dynamic. I think that you can explore is that like, I think we talked about it before uh, at some point, but the like blending of technology and women, which is always done because like the unknown other for the man the or whatever, uh, which is like went on in this, but then she, she fucking pegs him with her, <laughs> with her drill <laughs> dick, <laughs> with her, with her tube metal dick or whatever. This is before his, that, that, this is before, by the way, his drill dick comes oh, into Jesus. it. So it does the same thing fucking twice. Jeez. <laughs> And then he gets a metal... Then they're fucking or whatever. And then he gets a, a drill dick. And they focus on that for fucking ages. And shit goes on or whatever. And it's like... The ideas of like technology and blending... And like way more like physically... Physically like embedding itself in the human body. Like that's literally just like what the film is. Mm. And that's as far as that like thesis kind of goes. It doesn't really explore those ideas or anything. It is literally like, hmm, is it, wouldn't it be fucked up if your face had loads of metal sticking out of it? Mm. And then all of a sudden your dick turned into a drill? <laughs> yeah, that would not be pleasant. But I guess there is something like, there is like this like, because uh, it's a Japanese film. So I feel like there probably is something to do with like, this like origin story of this superhero kind of thing because it's called Tetsuo the Iron Man and Tetsuo I'm not 100% sure but I'm assuming that it's a reference to Akira because Tetsuo in that film and that comic he like had this happen to him he started blending into like technology and stuff like that but that's what happens in Te- in uh, Akira as well so I'm assuming it's like it's obviously talking about that because Akira was fucking huge in uh in Japan and Akira deals with those themes way more fucking uh, intelligently than I think Tetsu with the Iron Man is. Even though Tetsu with the Iron Man is just focusing on one fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure there's stuff to do with like with all that shit. But I don't care. I didn't enjoy the film really at all. I thought the fucking body horror was cool. But then I, it kind of like didn't explore it in an interesting way or anything. I was disappointed about this movie. Yeah, it doesn't sound that good to be honest. It's not. Like, you could watch it and you could enjoy it because it is like Cronenberg and David Lynch had a real fucked up night in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a great concept, but um, yeah, it doesn't sound very enjoyable. Mm. You know, I've heard I've heard good things, but that report is pretty bleak, to be honest. Yeah. TBH. Yeah. I reckon, well, it's not, also, it's only an hour long, so it's not like a huge time commitment. It's worth, like, knocking on and seeing what you think mm. of it. I watched it on Shudder, um, which I'm going to be getting rid of soon. Shudder's got fuck all on it. I'm getting rid of Shudder. After I watch Mandy, I'm getting rid of it. Have you ever seen Mandy? No, not yet. You have to watch Mandy, man. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing, but like literally nothing but good it's things. Very good, very, very good. Cosmatos. All right, what's his name? Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. Ever, you should watch uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow as well. 
I've heard of that as well, and I, I again, I, I need to watch that. that many years ago when I was not prepared to watch it. I was not old enough <laughs> to watch it, but I watched it when it like, like a, I don't know, a year or two after it came out. I was like, what? It doesn't make any sense. I went back and I was trying to see if it made, makes any sense. It actually doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But it's really cool. That's a really like mm. weird film. Definitely worth a watch. I think you're one, I think uh, go. Nick Spears did a video on it, which I found really cool. I can't remember the interpretation. Uh, but she's got fucking unreal videos. Her videos are so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But she had a really good, uh, really good take on that film. Yeah, her hot takes are great. Yeah. <clears throat> really, really uh, compelling arguments. She does a lot of videos now at the moment about like just weird, fucked up, disturbing movies and whether or not they have any merit, which is uh, an interesting argument. I feel like because she fucking phenomenal fucking segue by the way Mark that you said up there she talked about this film called Possession oh. which I watched Look at that. she mentioned it in a video and I heard about Possession many many times and I took the plunge and I watched it and my god Possession is a fucking bad time oh my god it's great but oh my god it is a bad time Um, Possession is by this guy Andrzej uh, Zulowski, I think is his name. Zulowski is anyway his second name. I don't know what his first name. I think it's Andrzej or Andrzej or something like that. He's a Polish filmmaker. Um, he has a film called Over the Silver Globe or The Silver Globe or something like mm. that, um, which is apparently amazing. And it, but it was heavily uh, edited down and cut by the the Polish Communist Party. Ah. Uh. Uh, so it's like leave Poland a couple of times to make films and uh, one of the films he made is Possession which stars uh, Sam Neill and it stars I need to find her name because um, this woman is fucking amazing Isabella Ajani Isabella Ajani she is fucking amazing in this <laughs> film oh my god right so Possession is the story about uh, basically man and a woman uh, their relationship is gone to shit and it is deteriorating and there's like adultery going on with her and it's just a fucking bad time for everyone the opening like 30 minutes of the film were so intense that I had to hit pause and I had to go and I had to watch an episode of Gravity Falls and then come back to it <laughs> because I just couldn't handle what was going on and this is before there's any like violence going on I, I i stopped just before like they were having this argument in the kitchen and she has like she was using like an electric knife or whatever and it's like i can't deal with this this is just this, this is too intense because the way the he the way that she pulls these faces it's like you're literally looking into the face of someone that is about to cause a lot of harm to you because it's just her face looking at the camera for some of these shots and it's like she's looking at you it was a really personal feeling from it it's a really oh it it was i had a, such a visceral reaction to everything in this film um which is what's trying to do which is great mm. um and then sam neil sam neil is unrecognizable in this film holy shit this that dude like this came out just bef- like a couple of years before Jurassic uh, Park. That dude fucking aged in between this film and Jurassic Park. <laughs> Holy shit! It's only like ten years of that, but he looks like twenty years. <laughs> Sam Neill, this guy's in. He's underrated. Underrated. He is underrated. 
this makes me this film made me realize that Sam Neill is really under underrated because he's great in this film, but he's nothing to uh, Isabel uh, uh, uh whatever the fucking her name is. Uh, she oh my god, she is so good in this film. Oh man, he, Sam Neill looks so different. He looks so different, doesn't fuck? he? What the fuck? I didn't rec- I didn't know it was Sam Neill until I looked because I was watching. I was like. That dude looks kind of familiar, and then I looked up. I was like, "Oh shit, it's Sam Neill! What the fuck?" Yeah, he looks. I don't know. He looks like fucking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't yeah, look like Sam know, Neill. It doesn't because, like, when I think of Sam Neill, I think Just of Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. He looks sort of like Mark he Hamill. Yeah, he does. He yeah, he does. He looks like Mark Hamill a bit in in this film. Um, but uh, so like their their relationship is deteriorating, or whatever, and like the way that like Zulowski like. He really emphasizes uh, Isabel's um, facial reactions and stuff like that to things. And she has this way of like having this smile where you're just like, there is like nothing beyond the smile but complete fucking insanity. Mm. And she's really scary. She's really fucking scary. And this is before she starts killing people. Oh, God. Because <laughs> she starts to kill people in the film. But, yeah, like, what's, it's nothing... what's, like, the basic plot summary? Basic plot summary is a uh, man comes home from work. Uh, he's a spy because this is set in uh, West Germany. So he's a spy or some shit. You're not, you're not really told that much about him. But, you know, his whole thing is, like, spying on people. So he comes home and his wife is like, we're done. We can't, I can't do this anymore with you. Uh, you're, like, you physically disgust me anytime that you're around and stuff like that and they have a kid and he tries to like use the kid against her like oh you hate your son or whatever and he makes her hate her son by like constantly using the the son as an argument kind of and she just she just fucking wants nothing to do with him anyway he finds out uh that she uh has like another man and then he goes to the other fella and then you find out that like she's not staying with the other fella and she's not staying with her best mate. So who the fuck is she staying with? And she's staying in an abandoned uh, apartment block. And there's something in the abandoned apartment block that has tentacles and is not human until, well, maybe it does become human and maybe it becomes a doppelganger. Oh. And, you know, and that's at the very end of the film. Oh. And then, like, all the while that this is going on, Sam Neill brings his uh, his son to school and... The, the school teacher is uh, also played by Isabel and is identical to her and is the idea is like his idealized version of what his wife could be, mm. which is completely like subservient to him, does whatever the fuck he wants, doesn't argue, doesn't do anything. Whereas his wife is like, you know, maybe creating <laughs> a new husband that, will do everything that she wants, <laughs> which is an ideal, <laughs> which is an ideal. Uh, yeah, no, I like. But you can also, like, there's all that shit going on, like, you know, what do we, you know, the film's title is Possession, you know, this, like, owning someone and, like, being possessed with the idea of someone and that idea not being what you have in reality or, like, possessing over, literally possessing over controlling someone and stuff like that, especially, you know, you're in West Germany, being watched on, being spied on, every, the Berlin Wall is constantly in the background, there's a lot of shit going on in this movie uh and it's super cool and it has i think like one of the most disturbing scenes in a film ever 
and it is just uh, Isabella uh, freaking out in a subway station by herself. This like subway station tunnel. She's just freaking the fuck out for ages, and it's really really awful, and it's hard to watch. And uh, yeah, it's I really. I really liked Possession. I really, really liked Possession. Mm. It's like a way better version of Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds fucked up. Like in every single aspect of it. And the way it's shot as well. Like there's a use of, really cool use of colour as well in this film. Uh, really well shot. Really, really well acted. Uh, and it didn't... It's like themes are consistent throughout the film, which is not what I could say for Antichrist. Mm. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Definitely have to watch it. It's great. Where'd you watch it? Shudder? Um, the internet. Oh, all right. I'll have to have a look. I had to have to get creative. Um, it might be on YouTube to rent, but I recommend it. I really do recommend it. Uh, I was fucked up afterwards. Oh man, I have not like this. It keeps like drilling its way back into my mind. It's just like random moments. Like I was just like eat my fucking eggs this morning, and then it just fucking popped into my head. And I just started thinking about <laughs> it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe it sounds a bit intense for right now, but I'll definitely give it a watch. I don't know. It's a good escape from things because that's why I watched it. Because like, uh, Nyx Fears, whatever her name is, and it also appeared in like a Super Eye Patch Wolf video where he was talking about like disturbing movies and the merit of like disturbing movies. And it was like, yeah, it's really fucked up, but it also kind of takes you out of like the real life horror that we're living in at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was just cool. Yeah. But um, I feel like it's got like you could re- definitely read into a lot of aspects of this movie because it's not just the breaking down of a relationship between a man and a woman, uh, there's more going on in it. And a lot of it is from the, the, the man's perspective, I feel. Cause like you can read the tentacle monster as, you know, as literally a tentacle monster, or you can see it as him discovering that his wife is fucking another man. And then that's how he views this other man or whatever. Mm. Like there's loads of shit like that. You could yeah. do, I guess there's a thing at the end of the film where you can kind of see it as like, you know, are we the same after like a really fucked up argument or whatever? Like all these like, you know, we become different from these experiences mm. and the characters themselves are completely different from this experience as well by the end of the movie. So that's a cool shit going on in the movie. I really, really enjoyed it. It sounds whopper. Way better than Tetsuo. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tetsuo got fucking shot yeah. on there I... half an hour ago. Possession just sort of swept it all mm-hmm. up. Especially because, like, I watched Possession first, and the next day I watched Tetsuo, and I was like, man, <laughs> Possession even did the body horror better. <laughs> yeah, those Germans, those West Germans, what were they doing? I need to see more of his films, though. The Silver Globe or whatever the fuck. That looks fucking cool. It's like this really cool, dark fantasy mixed with horror, mixed with sci-fi, mixed with loads of different shit. It looks cool. Mm. Um... Yeah, what else I've been watching? Oh shit, I watched the new Pixar movie. Oh yeah, Soul. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a 180. We're talking about fucking yeah, that's, possession. That's a large, <laughs> that's a huge segue. 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 <laughs> it's not even a segue, it's like falling down the stairs. It's like, oh shit, I'm <laughs> <the> second floor. <laughs> yes, I watched the new uh, Pixar movie, Soul. Uh, have you seen it? No, no, I have not I seen it. I recommend it. It's the best Pixar movie in fucking years. I think so. Anyway, um, it's like a blend. It's like Ratatouille of music mixed with the inside out of dying. <laughs> mixed with Freaky Friday for a bit, which is the worst part. But there's a bit of Freaky Friday going on in this film, which is 
not good mm. but everything else is great it deals with this like existential dread of dying in a really fucking cool way like the way that it depicts the afterlife is like he's on this like elevator going up to this like vast whiteness in front of him as he goes towards it and it's really cool looking like the the contrast of like white and black is really really nice and the way that he looks as well because this little blue dude going around it's a cool movie recommend it and uh, i don't really have that much to say about it though it's just i enjoyed it mm. really nice wholesome message at the end as well yeah i haven't seen any pixar films in about since uh toy story 3 i think I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of the Pixar movies, but I feel like it's the best Pixar movie since Toy Story 3. Ah, I'd say so. I'd say so. They haven't been good, have they? It's probably better than Toy Story 3 as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, it's better than Coco. The good dinosaur and all that bollocks. Jesus, it kicks the shit. The good dinosaur gets fucking curb stomped by this movie. Inside <laughs> Out. You know? They've all better been, than Inside Out. They've all been limp. People really like Inside Out. I don't like Inside Out. Inside Out's alright. I think it's alright. It's just not that good. It's got... Really cool ideas, but the film itself is just like, oh, we gotta get from point A to point B. And I think that's even the idea. It's like, I'm pr- I'm absolutely certain that I saw the idea on TV shows when I was a kid. You oh know? yeah, it, it's not a fucking novel concept. It's like yeah. that film. What's that film, Dave or whatever? The one with Dave, Eddie Murphy yeah, with yeah. all the little Eddie Murphys in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Dave, but with Pixar. It's just a remake of Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, that's a weird movie, mm. Dave. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think like Inside Out could have been way cooler if it kind of like explored. No, not even if it explored because it, I think it, ex- it explores the idea of like the mind in such, a, in such a cool way. If it just framed it in a better way and it had a better, if it just had better jokes, better actors, a better reason, to, like a better yeah. structure, a better narrative, I guess. Because it has cool ideas, but I don't, also don't know how how else you could do it. I don't know. Just don't do it at all. Make a better film. Just make a better film? Yeah. Make a good movie, Pixar. I dare you. Because <laughs> even like Soul. Soul was like, I was like, this is easy. This, I was like, for a point, I was like, okay, it dipped a little bit, but you're like, this is going for like a five out of five. And then the Freaky Friday shit happened. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And also, there's a straight up scene that is just fucking American Beauty. Oh, the plastic bag. Oh, uh, except this time it's a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, sake. oh, yes, there's beauty in all aspects of life. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's like, this isn't 2001 anymore. You can't, you can't, you know, say that and get away with it. It's too shallow. I can't believe a Pixar movie made me think of American Beauty. <laughs> But yeah, and then the, but the ending is. I feel like the ending is a bit of a cop out, but it's also a kids movie, so there's no way that you could end up with him dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be pretty cool though. It would be cool, but also they're never they weren't gonna do it. But I, I kind of wish they did, because it kind of I don't know. Yeah, but we, also we need a like, dark Pixar story. Well, like, you got the opening of Up, which isn't even dark. And we need like sad. a Joker movie, but with Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> what would that look like we need the falling down but maybe yeah. <laughs> there's just no redemption there's no moral to the story <laughs> but because it's made by fucking Disney as well it is just straight up racist like it doesn't even try and hide it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the especially if you go back to like old Dis- Disney you got like remember Donald Duck was a Nazi for like one of them <laughs> yeah there's a one there's like a short word uh, Donald Duck is a Nazi mm. Like, and I mean, like, a literal Nazi. He, like, goes on the march and all with them. 
Aye, aye. Disney. Yeah, I... <laughs> Disney. What are they doing? Well, Disney, I don't know. A bit of a... He hasn't paid for his sins. Not yet, old man. Once he could, <laughs> once they defrost his body. Yeah, we're going to defrost him. First thing we're doing. <laughs> I'm going to get him with my drill dick. Yeah, Tetsuo. Uh, do you want to move on to the... Um, Let's do some listener, listener questions. questions. All right, if you want to ask a question, give some feedback, do whatever, uh, you can get to us at paro underscore pod on Insta, on Twitter, or you can email us. You can email us. You're so close. Oh, <laughs> so close. You can email us at theparopod at gmail.com. There you go. Great recovery, though, Mark. Great recovery. <laughs> yeah. uh, this first question is coming in from Cal. Shout out to Cal. Uh, good question. Asking us a uh, favorite film of 2020. Um, I think we might both have the same answer for this. Um, I'm thinking of any things. Yeah, that's a good shout. I think that's that's definitely my favorite film of uh, of the year. It also kind of depends on like um, what is our like framing for like twenty twenty because officially, if we're talking about Ireland, the Lighthouse and Parasite are also twenty twenty films. <laughs> is it? Yeah, but I don't think they count because nah, they don't they, they don't count. No they're twenty nineteen. Ireland might have got them in twenty twenty, mm. but they're twenty nineteen films. Yeah, I go with um, I go with Ned Kelly. The true story of the Kelly gang. Oh, yeah. That, which was that, yeah. the... I watched that on the day of lockdown in mm. the lighthouse. I left the lighthouse and then I checked my phone as I was walking across the Smithfield Square and there was a tweet went up, the lighthouse is now closed. I was like, wow, this is historic. I still have the ticket. Great. <laughs> still have the ticket. It was the last film I saw before, like back in March. Very good film. Sort of went under the radar because, you know... Because of when it came out. Because yeah, everything else that happened when it came out. But it's really good, and it's a cool take on an extremely cool story, uh, which has sort of been overdone because it's been done so many times. But it's like it does it in a really original, original way, uh, which is still kind of faithful to the original story, but also purposely deviates, but deviates in a way that is faithful to the spirit of uh, the story it's trying to tell. Very cool. Like, do you know the That's Ned Kelly story? All that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> only in so much as like how much of you you've told me about Ned Ned Kelly. I don't know uh, much about the actual dude. Just a few bits. Yeah, I he's guess. just this mad bastard in 19th century Australia. Went around killing uh, Victorian police because they'd wronged him or whatever. They're discriminated against him based on whatever, like the fact that he was like Irish Catholic in uh, the. British administration and the fact that he was just like a fucking he's basically a scumbag and his family were like uh, lower class and stuff uh, so he he killed uh, or no he shot an officer's wrist and then had to flee into, into the countryside but then he was a bush ranger for two years and uh, he like assembled a gang of people and they went around robbing banks and like uh, stuff like that but they always it was like the Robin Hood kind of thing they never hurt an in, mm. like an innocent person like technically they always just went after police and stuff and uh, their final showdown was at a some is at a town called Glen Rowan where they they plan to uh, derail a train full of police and then like massacre all of them as they came as they left the the carriage or whatever. Yeah, but someone that's what that's what I know of Ned Kelly that he tried to do that. Yeah, yeah, someone ride them out, so it didn't happen in the end. But he'd he'd also built a suit of armor for him and his entire squad, and so they had like a final showdown with the police where they're dressed up in like. Iron Man suits, basically. 
<laughs> it's pretty much the coolest thing to ever come out of like the Wild West or anything like that. Um, it's a good story, but it's been told like the first ever feature film was uh, about the Kelly Gang in 1905 or something like that. Uh, it was like two hours long, but like films weren't made that long back then. Mm. So it's the first ever feature. Um, and then... This has been retold a bit. Yeah, in yeah. Cinema. Mick Jagger had a version. Heat Ledger had a version. I guess it's because, like, as well, like, it's such a theatrical, yes. cinematic story. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, there's a dude fucking derailing trains and making Iron Man suits to take on the police. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just fucking ludicrous. It's just <laughs> but the new one, it, it takes it on in a really cool way because it's, it's based on the book, which is, like, based on a letter that Ned Kelly actually... He didn't write it. I don't think he could... Uh, he was, like... I don't think he could write, but he someone dictated it for him. Or he dictated mm. it to them. It's a, it's called like the Gerald Area letter, I think, and uh, it's actually really like he was really eloquent, and uh, he has all these like cool sort of turns of phrases, and it's a pretty cool manifesto in and of itself. Very long as well, but he basically he dictated it at like a bank robbery, trying to justify his crimes to the to like the public and whoever is going to read it in the newspapers, and uh, like a lot of what he says is obviously not true, and he's just sort of he's trying to justify what he did to himself, yeah, trying to like mythologize uh, the Kelly gang as like a phenomenon uh, and like the book and then the film sort of take that and run with it and like they sort of uh, lean into the mythical aspects of it and imagine what Ned or how Ned would have told the story like the film's really cool really colorful it has Nicholas Holt in it he's very very good and the guy from 1917 British actor he's really good as Ned Kelly uh, Russell Crowe is also in it as Ned Kelly's uh, mentor it's really worth a watch I don't know if it's on. I think it's on Prime, actually. Prime Video. I think it is on Prime, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds fucking good as well. Mm. That sounds really good. Um, uh, another film that um, I really liked this year. Fucking Horse Girl. Did you ever... Did you, did you watch Horse Girl? No, I haven't seen it. Horse Girl is like... I don't know why people... I think people watched it not really... Uh, because it's got 2.9 on Letterboxd and it's like a 6 on IMDb. But like if you go into it knowing that it's a weird fucking film. Like it's like that. It's I think it's because like people didn't know that it was a weird, weird film. And like really like out there kind of film. Um, it's about horse girls. No, it's about the gir- this girl and she's, she like take care of, she takes care of horses or whatever. But you kind of know that like. She's not really all there. Like, there's definitely... She's suffering from something, and everyone around her kind of knows that. Mm. But they're, like... You know, they're really kind to her, and, like, you know, they let her take care of the horse, even though she's like, oh, this is my horse, even though it's not actually her horse. But, like, you know, like, the people around there kind of know, like, ah, yeah, like, you know, mm. let her be or whatever. Um, and then you find out that her... Her grandma uh, suffered from, like, schizophrenia. And uh, thought that she was being inducted by aliens. And then, uh, you know, the girl that we follow in Horse Girl also starts to be like, I think I was inducted by aliens. But, like, normally I think, like, in a film like that, you would see it from other people's perspective trying to deal with that. Whereas this is her perspective of it. Mm. And, like, you know, she'll, like, walk from one room to the next like, she'll be in the shower or whatever, and then she'll, like, pull across the curtains and go out the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, no, she's actually in work, and she's naked in work, and she's confused, and you're confused, 
but you know you feel like she does she's like oh what the fuck i didn't mm. realize i was here and shit like that uh and then you know does lots of stuff like that and then in the end it's like oh why is she actually abducted by aliens or not you know oh, uh, that's pretty cool i love when that happens it is cool it's really really cool and um, people fucking hated it it seems like but that's just genuine people just didn't fucking get it or like it wasn't what people expected it to be i think it got really harshly uh rated because it was a netflix original film and it stars alison brie yeah so you know yeah, a lot of people yeah. would have clicked onto it and then expecting one thing Rick rejected it for what it actually turned out to be because i i wouldn't have watched this like oh alison brie's in this film called horse girl and it's a netflix original i didn't i wouldn't have watched it but then i heard that it was actually no it's actually really weird and i was like okay i'll watch it and it's one of my favorite films of the year it sounds like a comedy or something yeah like a lighthearted comedy Oh my god, no, it's not. Yeah. It's really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's really disturbing and fucked up. There's a really funny bit where this guy is talking about, like, he's like, <laughs> they're sitting around smoking a joint, whatever, and he's like, yeah, I got this idea for a concept album. It's called Baker's Dozen, and it's going to be 12 tracks on the album. <laughs> and it's a shit like that. <laughs> like, it's really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely give that a, a wee gander. It's on Netflix as well. Uh-huh. Very good. That's handy. A lot of my favorite films of the year, like Charlie Chicago 7, Horse Girl, I'm Thinking of Anythings, all three of them are Netflix films. Mm. What does that mean? Which, it means that fuck out the only films I saw in cinema this year that wasn't The Lighthouse was Tenet. <laughs> Tenet. I thought it was alright. It's alright. But yeah, like fuck all films came out mm. for obvious reasons. So there's a couple of gems for you, I think. A few hidden gems. But again, in like the rough. diamonds in the rough, <laughs> fucking try to catch seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I even like I think of anything. There's also like this weird fucking cerebral film. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No one would have seen that if it wasn't on Netflix. Or you like you have to like hunt it down nearly. Yeah, I think it got a, a wider audience anyway because of Netflix. Yeah, and because of that, I think it's got like a way worse fucking rate on like IMDb and stuff like that. Does it? Uh, I guarantee you. Well, like, once a... Yeah, like, 3.5 on uh, Letterboxd. 3.5? Is that bad? Yeah, it's not bad, but... No, it's not really bad, but I feel like... um, How much... It, well, although, so it's not as good as the other films, I guess, but... um, Like, what are... Synecdoche, New York, 4.1. Synecdoche, New York is a far more confusing film, <laughs> but... And arguably, like would be hated by more people because it's way more confusing but also it didn't it didn't get the widespread release that i'm thinking of anything has got mm. same way anomalisa 3.8 and that's yeah that's actually probably that anomalisa is probably is a better film man, than i'm thinking of anything man, that still. girl from new york remember she told me about cynic dicky new york how to pronounce it i completely forgot what she said that's really annoying me. But that makes complete sense. I never knew that as well about synecdoche new york whatever that it's a place yeah i thought it was just a word it's a place. But it is a word as well. It's a word to describe something. Yeah. Like that, a synecdoche is an actual thing, but it's also a place, which makes sense why the film is off. I can... Charlie Kaufman, what are you doing? I completely <laughs> forgot, like, what the pronunciation is, though. Synecdoche. No, it's something else. It's, it's like I don't care. Cynic, it's synecdoche. Cynic. I can't remember what Shin- it was. She- Say, like, um... Synecdoche. Synecdoche. Something like that. These, like, films that are, like... You know, kind of art housey kind of films. Not like art house, but like, you know, weird, confusing films. When they get like a wider spread release, 
and like more people know about them they watch them and they fucking hate them because they don't they don't know what to expect I guess I don't know yeah I don't know fucking plebs <laughs> fucking plebs get used to it bro Charlie Coffin is the man you don't get it bro <laughs> it's synecticky you don't get it bro it's a place <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess it kind of ties into the the whole like reason why people hated Spring Breakers because they went into a film expecting one thing and it's just not that. Yeah, because they're fucking plebs. That's what it's all about. It's like challenged. Yeah, it's the great the great joke that they played on the audience. I admire films that do that. Yeah, it's hilarious. And I can't believe Horse Girl, which is even a mad, confusing film. It's like oh, she's kind of she's kind of fucking losing it. It's basically Mm. it's not like it like represents anything. It's a girl suffering with like schizo, like whatever schizophrenia. Like it's just that is what it is. There's nothing like more to like really read into it, unless you want to read into it in the, in the sense of it being that she actually was abducted by aliens. <laughs> That's what I I will do. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I when I watch this film. Do it. Do it. Sounds really good. Uh, so Connor, we have the second question, which came in from Connor, uh, but it deals with Tropic Thunder and Connor. We are going to answer your question, but at a later stage. We've taken note of it. We have a note of it, but we're going to talk about it in a later stage because uh, Tropic Thunder space. might be coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good show. We're going to talk about it next week or the week after, something like that. Uh, so hold your horses, Connor. We'll get to that. <laughs> hold your horse, girls. We got this. Hold your horse, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Gee bless, I think that's going to be it. That's another episode. That'll be it for today, I Super suppose. Super Corona Bros do another fucking episode. Keep them positive. That's all you got to do in these times. You got to stay positive. <laughs> Keep <laughs> coronavirus positive. Uh. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Just stay positive. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great outro. <laughs> <laughs> alright um, thank you very much we'll be back next week talking about uh, Texas Chainsaw perfect so give it a watch see you then alright thank you very much bye 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 bye